The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC in the house. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is January 5th. Um, and, you know, we're going to drop this at night because, you know, it's, it's been a long day of recovery for BOC and I after PC gets the huge victory over number four, Connecticut, uh, 73-61. Friars now 5-0 in Big East for the first time in school history and sit atop the standings by themselves. Um, BLC, just an awesome, awesome game. Initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are, and I didn't think I would ever say this, we, we were the better team from start to finish. Um, first couple minutes, you're settling in there, and I think the first thing that jumped out to me was <laughs> the size discrepancy. It looked like a varsity versus a JV team, honestly. Um, we talked about it like Newton has a ton of size on Bynum. Um, their bigs are 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot. I don't know how tall freaking Klingon is, 7'2", 7'1". Um, they have size everywhere. Jackson's a freak athlete, but he's also a big guy, 6'7", 6'8". So my initial reaction were like, okay, let's hang on. Let's see. Maybe we can like hang into hang around this game long enough to uh, potentially pull off an upset at the last second. But then the tide started turning, and I think – the big theme from last night was, besides the fact that we played a more well-rounded game, is we were the tougher team. We took it to them. Um, we hit them in the mouth, and they they talk a big game, and the Huskies think they're a tough team. But when push came to shove, they didn't back up their words. They seemed like they were willing to concede the victory based on physicality, and I think that's the most concerning thing if you're a Connecticut fan and one of the best things if you're a Providence fan. Yeah, and um, we'll certainly get to – Connecticut as a whole after now dropping two straight after starting the season undefeated. Um, but uh, I, I guess let's, let's set the stage for the game. Uh, I had boots on the ground, BOC um, had a nice little dinner at Los Andes. Uh, first time ever having Peruvian Bolivian food, but it was good. It was that's, good. It's a nice little base there. Um, that's a good drinking base. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. Like the, the meal I got was like very heavy. Um <laughs> But uh, so then, you know, we make our way. It, it was nice that it was 830 because you had so much time to kind of sit down and have a nice meal. Yeah. Um, head to the game right after. Um, the place is jammed at like 8 o'clock. That, that's when I got there. Um, the concourse was full. 
there were there were plenty of UConn fans. Uh, I know that was something that was um, leading up to this game that was being talked about online. What did you, UConn would have this great presence. What did you um, think? He, what did you think the breakdown was percentage wise? Like ninety ten? Yeah. So I, I rewatched the broadcast and um, right off the bat, Donnie Marshall, of, of course, says, "Oh man, like 50-50 crowd tonight." <laughs> no. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 75-25. Okay. Like, that's, UConn, that's good. and, you know, as I would expect, uh, UConn travels well. I mean, listen, they're, they're a school that's won four national titles. They're a big state school, and you're playing a game in province. You're obviously going to get their fans. But, like, I, I, I didn't think it was – yeah, th- that was greatly exaggerated, BOC. Uh, that was one of, by the way, that was, that was one of many things that Donnie Marshall exaggerated. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe me, we were watching this tape. Oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, it was good crowd. The the crowd was energized. There were a decent amount of more students than I thought there would be, which was awesome. Um, you know, it wasn't like a legit student section, but let me tell you, I got to shout out my 234 crew right off the bat here. Because they they brought the energy to that game, it was a madhouse in two thirty four last night. Yeah. Um, so were people tuned up? Like, was it a was it a drunk environment? I think it's a little bit tough on a Wednesday, regardless. But eight thirty tip at Providence. It doesn't matter what time it is. It seems like there were a lot of students too. Yeah, yeah. Two thirty four was definitely turning up. I, I was pretty responsible because um, because you know our buddy. Joe, who lives in Providence, I would normally crash there, but he's expecting a child soon. So shout out to him there. But um, but yeah, so so I, I had to drive home. So I was pretty well behaved. But so some of the two thirty four boys were, were going off last night, um, and yeah, it, it, it was it was a good atmosphere. Like the couple UConn fans that were in our section got destroyed all game. Um, I kind of felt bad for them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't have fans, but it, it was a good environment. I, I, it didn't get, well, the Noah Lock three, which we'll get to, yeah. uh, and we'll get to his game. But, uh, yeah, the crowd went nuts when that went in. Um, but, you know, not the loudest dunk crowd, but, but it was good. They were amped up. Did you, so what did you think? What, from your perspective, what did you think was the reason for the Providence win? Because I, we wrote an article about it. Check it out on the Providence Crier website. But I talked a lot about what I think clinched the win for us. What, what do you think was the big differ, differing factor for us, differentiation? Yeah. Um, you know, I first off, you mentioned this uh, in the open here. And let me tell you, their size, just witness that, that live. Oh, man, they're huge. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th- that really concerned me, especially first half. But it, w- it was weird. This game this game wasn't a game of runs. It was more so a game of spurts, like two consecutive baskets here, two consecutive baskets there. Um, to me, I just felt like re- the tie turned when they grabbed the lead late in the first half, and then they came out second half and dominate, like really did the best they could on the glass, and they end up getting the advantage on the glass, as you allude to in your recap article. Um, and that was a total team effort. Gang rebounds, gang tips, deflections, 
Dude, like, Bre- Breed, they were locked get- in defensively. Breed getting six rebounds, like, incredible. That's what – the problem with the zone is you're going to give up a lot of offensive rebounds, and I think, you know, if, even if we played man-to-man, man-to-man or zone, I think all, UConn was going to get their their boards, their fair share, just because of the size. Um, but it was a team effort. Like, I remember there was one rebound where, like, I've been a little bit – harsh on lock to say the least on like yes i'm glad he, you're bringing this up i know exactly what you're talking about if if he doesn't if he doesn't score he's not really adding a lot else to the court um there was one play where he's in transition and they missed the bunny and lock had about three connecticut players around him grabbed the rebound and this is like showing like he's i think he's starting to become like a coolie type player like i wrote about this a bit he grabs the rebound and starts swinging his elbows and protecting the ball, which, like, I love. Like, you're, they're not going to call that in the Big E, especially with a tight game. He gets fouled and knocks down two free throws. And, like, Locke, awesome game from on offense, buries a couple threes, hits a few mid-rangers. But that right there was, like, my favorite part of the entire game for him because it showed he was completely locked in and bought in on all in all facets of the game. So, um yeah, that that was awesome. The rebounding was huge for Providence and showed everybody helping. Right. So so let, let's go through it. You know, they, they have a um they have re- well actually rebounds were tied. Is that right? No, I think it was 41-39. Dude, Bleacher Report's kind of got to step their shit up. But I'm looking at Bleacher Report right now. The, the, the problem is you're looking at Bleacher Report. That's yeah, I know. Well, time. I'm not a big ESPN guy. What can I say? They don't like the big E's. Uh but this is what I got. So this is off because it says 37-37. Um, but Hopkins, five. Locke, three. Crosswell, 13. Carter, four. Bynum, who only plays nine minutes. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, zero. But, I mean, as expected, nine minutes of play. Uh, Breed, six. Moore, five. And Corey Floyd in 11 minutes, grab, grabbing one for himself as well. Um, and then, you know, they got steals. They were just active hands all night and that was the difference and the rotate rotating on the perimeter and i'll get to yukon um soon here like i I think they have some issues um but you got to give a lot of credit to pc in their defensive effort um tonight so let's kind of pivot let's go you know kind of highlight some of the players here the matchups Bryce Hopkins, once again, dominates, showing he's one of the bright stars in all of college basketball. 27 points, five boards on six of 12 from the floor, two of two from three, 13 of 15 from the line. Um, So going into this, right, the last time we spoke, I was like, the matchup of Hopkins and Jacksons are going to really intrigue me. And then it's funny because I was on Twitter before the game started and I saw Dave Borges, uh, who covers – the beat for, for UConn. Um, he was talking about caravan being on it. And I'm like, um, what? And then it transpires, and you all know what happens. Bryce Hopkins just absolutely owns him. Anytime they had him one-on-one in a situation, not only Hopkins, it was some other guys too. They were just attacking him at any chance they got. Dude, like, I remember because – we were talking about Hopkins versus Jackson. We all thought that was going to be the matchup and like maybe Carter was going to feast. Right. Um, then I, to your point, I saw on Twitter that Hurley was like, yeah, Caravan's going to guard Hopkins. And in my head, I'm like, what? I had, I actually had to check and see if it was a joke because I was like, you're going to put your worst defensive player on Providence's best offensive player. Like that, that's a horrendous strategy. And if you want to look at like the blueprint from the Nova games, from the Xavier game, 
who had a lot of success against UConn in the Xavier game. There's Fremantle, a stretch four. Yeah, I, I don't think he's even close to the caliber of Hopkins, but you could make the argument they play a similar position. Um, so I don't know why you would stick Caravan on Hopkins, and Hopkins had his way with him, and that was coaching malpractice by Hurley. Like, I don't. I think he is. I think he's going to do well at UConn because one, it's easy to win at UConn. Two, it's really easy to recruit at UConn. Um, and I think he he's doing a great job recruiting. So you have to give him kudos for that. But like, the strategy and in-game coaching leaves a lot to be desired. And we knew for, like Hurley knows one thousand x what we know for basketball. He's forgotten more than we know. But even you and I, we talked about it. We're like, Caravan on Hopkins, like that's going to be a disaster for them. And he knows his lineup better than us. Like, But we knew from the onset Hopkins was going to torch him, and he did. And he didn't adjust either. Uh, no. One thing that I liked what, what Cooley did in this game is he mixed up his defenses, got you kind of a little confused sometimes on offense. Um, and then on the flip side, you got Danny Hurley who um, – just lets that matchup happen all damn game long. And the funny thing was, I, I'm pretty sure there was a possession like very late in the game. The game's decided at this point. And Jackson was covering <laughs> And I was like, now you do it. <laughs> uh, and then on top of that, one thing I got shut out BOC here. He said, you know, look for them to maybe play Sonogo and, and uh, Klingon together on the court at the same time. And sure enough, they do that in the first half. And, you know, it got mixed success. I mean, that's when PC made their little spurt to take the late lead. But, um, I mean, that's terrifying lineup. And he doesn't go to that at all in the second half. Uh, Weird. He went back to just flipping them because I think he got nervous about it. But then post-game, he said, he even said, you know, I got to find a way to get both of them on the court at the same time and get a lineup that would work with that. So well, I, I think you, you want to play your five best players, right? And right. I think objectively, like, this might be a hot take. I think Klingon might be better than Sonogo. Yeah. They're That's different. He's got, yeah, he's, he's got extra size on, on Sonogo. Yeah. You know? Listen, I, I think Caravan's good and going to be a problem, but there are some things in his game, at least now, that, you know, you know, I, like, listen, like he's a, you watch him play in at least once a game. I think he did it two or three times in this game. Mm-hmm. Gets fouled. His hands are at the rim. Yeah. And he can't convert the M1. Yeah. Uh, there was one play where there was like a three pointer and he like tried to grab the rebound super early and the ball like went right by him after that. And like, dude, dude it might be something as simple enough as like we think of these kids as like, you know, as they're almost pros, right? And they could he I guess he could be a pro after this year, but I think he's still growing into his body. Like, you know, like the yeah. awkward stage where like you're still growing into your body and stuff like that. Like, I don't think he knows how to use his body properly yet, which is scary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and listen, you know, you know, maybe it's sour grapes for me, but you know, when we end up losing that recruiting battle, you know, I was kind of like, well. I wonder if this guy's going to have the foot speed to play in the Big East because he played at public school in Connecticut. Um, you know, I think that was more of like a loyalty thing, which is fine. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be very good for sure. Yeah, I, w- I was dead. I was dead wrong on him having him. I didn't think he was going to have any impact at all this year. Yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely an X factor, and they got to certainly find a way 
to get him going. All right, so Hopkins has the big night. We talked about it a little bit. Let's shift over to Locke here because Noah Locke got it going early with with some mid-range jumpers. That got his confidence going. I think you can really look to um, the last few games here, and he's been much better defensively. Uh, so I think you need to give him some credit for that. Um, he's tur- and then obviously he hits. He's, yeah, he's turning into a Cooley player. Like he's yeah. it, it, he's been in college for four years, but like nobody's really taught him how to play defense. And he's like becoming a really well-rounded player. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he had a big shot answer pretty much throughout this game. And none bigger than his three with about like 230 left. Um, first of all, got to give Cliff more some kudos on this play because um, I, you know, when I was there, I thought the ball just kind of like squirted out, but no more got the rebound and was getting like absolutely hounded and squirts the ball out. Uh, nice little pass to the lock. Who's way beyond the college three line yeah. beyond the NBA three line. And he lets it fly. And the funniest part was you watch, there's a Twitter clip of it. Fox sports tweet out. And he shoots it, and the crowd, you can hear one guy for Bam be like, no, and then it goes in, and the crowd goes nuts. Um, so, yeah, he was dynamite in this game. Really happy for him, because listen, I'm not going to lie, he has struggled um, defensively this year. He has struggled at times with his shot as well. Um, but for him to be, have an efficient game and his best game, like you said in your article, his best game at the most important time of the season, got to give him some kudos. And dude, every, like – Granted, we won by 12, so everybody forgets about this. The, the first four minutes, we were struggling offensively. And I think he carried us a little bit in the first. He had a nice little uh, mid-range shot and, like, kind of helped us out a bit. Um, yeah, Donnie yeah. was critical of that one, too. He's like, oh, you don't want to take a mid-range shot if you're that close to three. Yeah, dude, he, he goes, in, goes in, dude. No, how about – all right, let's talk about Marshall really quick. So <laughs> I got to get in on this. So it was – I think it might have been Locke. It was Locke or somebody on our team bangs a three, and it's a great shot. Marshall starts praising Klingon for stepping out and defending him. I'm like, what are you talking about? He just got a three buried in his eye. And then also, like, Marshall counting the foul discrepancy. Like, you you, you rewatched it or are rewatching it. He is literally throughout the broadcast counting how many free throws Providence has taken. Like, dude, we get it. You played at UConn, you know, Calhoun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, glory days, yeah, dead and gone. But, um, like, you got to be objective. He was counting the fouls. And then the praise of Andre Jackson. Yes, Andre Jackson's a freak athlete. Yes, he's a great point forward, blah, blah, blah. He's Draymond Green on steroids, et cetera. Um, the guy did nothing la- last night. He did absolutely nothing. He hurt his team more than helped his team by stu- also very stupid fouls. Oh, new and the same thing. That rebound you're talking about, that reaching by Newen after yes. was idiotic. Um, and so, so all right, so one thing I got on Donnie, um, you know, I got it on in the background now. There's like four minutes left. But um, with with like 2.30 left in the game, it's 24 all. And Donnie's like, you know, Cooley would never admit this, but like this is a time where he's petrified of this UConn team. <laughs> and then what happens? Robin's closes the half, you know, up five, and then Snogo hits a layup close to the buzzer. That What was the uh, – we're, we're bouncing around here, and that's fine because there's yeah. so many great memories from the game. What do you – I have my idea. What do you think was the worst part of the game for UConn fans? 
because I have my I have my nominee. I want to hear what you think yours is. Worst part of the game besides the L, besides the obvious loss. Um, do you want me to give mine? Yes, give yours. The Corey Floyd three. Oh yeah, that's it then. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's nothing else. <laughs> you know he and he banged that. That was like it was a, a huge arching three, and he just buries it to get. I think it that made it a five point lead. Yeah, and it, it was. Down. And Snuggo hits the yeah. layup. Yeah. And yeah, you, no, that was it. That had to be it. And you know when they hit that, every single UConn fan was like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely it. So let me shift to Jackson because you bring him up. And I'm a noted Jackson hater. And I'm a proud card-carrying member of the Andre Jackson Hater Club. Um, listen, this guy gets in the foul trouble early. And get it. I, I get it. He's a good defender. But, like, very handsy. He had a couple dumb fouls. And his jump shot is terrible. He can't shoot. And yet he continues to shoot. The funny thing is, is uh, my buddy O'Rourke, who, by the way, said, you know, we need a 30-piece from Hopkins tonight. Pretty darn close on that prediction. Um, a few games ago, he was like, you know, Andre Jackson's been so unselfish, just defending his ass off, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, he is now. But just wait till he starts jacking up shots. And what happens? The Nova game, the Xavier game, and now the Providence game, he keeps hucking and he keeps missing. Um, and then, like, you want to talk about the, you know, fake tough guy attitude? He embodies that. Oh, my God, dude. And in the game, when when Crosswell uh, and him got, got mixed up, um, by the way, that was the only defending Alex Caravan did the entire game, preventing Andre Jackson from getting a technical foul uh, when he gets in that skirmish with Crosswell. Um, but, yeah, man, like, and then another thing, he, like, throws these, like, dumb alley-oop passes. You know, one of those was a big turnover that we got a nice bucket off of. I believe it was a Crosswell dunk. Um, yeah, I-, I thought he absolutely hurt his team last night more than helped. Yeah, I mean, like it, you, you can you can say both things. He's a great athlete. He's he does a lot of things really, and I think he does a lot of things really well. And I think they're a better team on when he's on the court than when they're than when he's not. Um, but he also has a lot of flaws to his game. And like, exempt like I wasn't there, you were there, but like, you could hear the amp begging him to shoot when he had the ball. Like the guy Dude, when he missed his first three, the crowd was laughing. It like yeah. front rimmed. It was like ugly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The crowd was like no, the, the, laughing. The, it, it, the story's out. Like people know how to, and that's actually a big concern for uh, UConn because I don't. Dude, he, think, he's he's the Ben Simmons of college hoops right now. Yeah, no people people are sagging three four feet off of him and begging him to shoot, and that's going to hurt them. The only way he becomes the best version of himself is just getting everything in transition because he can't operate in a half court set right now. No. No. And then he had that, that missed dunk. Uh, and then he, the funny thing is he, he misses it and then they get it back and he's like calls for an alley-oop. And he was like, Oh, I guess I gotta get back and no. uh, get into our set here. But yeah, I mean, and well, first, so then let's talk about Bynum, right? So, and this will kind of morph into another thing. I Are we, to... hold on. Are we going to make an excuse for our loss because our all, all conference player was out? No, oh. BOC, we won't because we won. Um, oh, oh, we won. Oh, we yes. Okay, okay. Yes. Right. So, Jared Bynum gets hurt. I believe it's interesting because he was laboring through it, 
And then he got hit by Sonogo, or excuse me, by Klingon. And then that's when he was like, take me out, take me out. Um, but I think it was that pass that he made where he like slipped and fell as he was passing. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a cool. He said he was having trouble breathing. So that tells me maybe it's like a bruised rib or, or something like that. But I'm thinking maybe oblique because he kind of like twisted awkwardly when he made that pass. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that's not oblique because then, you know, that's something that could linger. I mean, rib, rib injury too, but you know, so, so we'll have to monitor that, but he goes out and we just got to give a ton of credit. I, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but you know, me as a guy who after the Miami game said, Bree can't be on the floor if he's not going to do anything in this game, he didn't have the biggest stat line in terms of scoring, but he was money in this game. And not only him, but Locke, Corey Floyd Jr., even Jaden Pierre, although he had a couple troubles with inbounding the basketball. Um, but I thought the three, like, I was very, very worried with, like, like I'm like, how are we going to finish this game with the, with their ball pressure without our lead guard? Uh, and those guys yeah. all stepped up to the plate. Yeah, I, it was a great team effort, like, consummate team effort. Um, you know, I'm a huge Breed fan, but I've even said I – I love Breed in a secondary guard role where he's yeah, not the lead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not the lead ball handler. And he was all game once Bynum was out. And he did a fantastic job. Like he plays good D. He doesn't really make many mistakes. He's a big guard, so like the six rebounds shouldn't really be a surprise because he's all six three, six four. Um and he just has like a really good composure when he's on the court. Uh so it was an awesome job. Floyd giving great minutes. I'm sure UConn fans are livid about that. Pierre did give good minutes as well. Um, he got into the scuffle a little bit with Jackson and Croswell. He got in the mix there. He was chirping a bit. That was good. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, they only had eight turnovers. We talked about taking care, care of the ball. Yeah. And with for Biden to go out, you think that's going to be a disaster situation. They're going to turn over a ton. Mm-hmm. And for that not for them to have eight, eight turnovers that game, that was – that was awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the the guards got to get a ton of credit for this one. No doubt about it. Um, let me now get to uh, – let's see here. Can we can we, can we we make a mention of we got to get this court fixed? <laughs> yes. Okay, so so because I completely forgot. Uh, that was my point. Um, so Bynum gets hurt because of the court. Guys are slipping and falling everywhere. Um. Did you did you rewatch the Carter play where he slid like twenty feet? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I thought he was hurt for the game. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, I, I think the obvious answer here is yes, we need to get this fixed ASAP, and I think the plan is next year to do that. So they're probably praying for for winter to be a uh, very cold, so yeah. this doesn't happen again. Um, there was a few funny moments where where ball boys were wiping the court down and all of a sudden there's a turnover and they have to like scramble for their lives. Um, but here's my question, BOC. It kind of gives off the old Boston garden vibes of it's a shithole and it's not very kind to the opposition. It does. It does. It does play into like the narrative of, Hey, this is like the Providence home court and you got to deal with it. Like, this is the the dunk, the amp, like there's a home court advantage and this is part of it. So yeah, that if everybody stays healthy, that's like part of the right. that, but, but like but like Biden say, probably got hurt because of the floor. 
Yeah, say something. Carter could have got hurt because yes. before. Then, then uh, the season the season is over because of something that can easily be remedied. Yeah, easy, quote unquote easily be remedied. And like, you know. Oh wait, hold on. I don't really, know if it's the same hold guy, on, hold but hold on, really quick. You haven't gotten to the part rewatching the game where Croswell is shooting free throws. He looks at the ref, points up to the ceiling, and Joey thought he was pointing to the scoreboard, saying, "Hey, scoreboard to UConn." If you rewatch it, he is pointing to the roof and saying, the roof is leaking on me. He says it to the ref. He's like, the roof is leaking on me. And But there's like a minute left in the game, and we're up like 12. And the ref was just like, I'm Where? getting there. I'm getting yeah. there. It's coming up, I think. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so like, I don't know. Like, Yeah, no, they, they got to get fixed. Like, let's not be crazy here. But I do kind of think it's funny that, like, it's kind of like the mystique of playing at, at the amp. Uh, you know, playing in Providence that, that not only are the fans going to be crazy, but it's going to be, you know, not, not perfect conditions playing, but no, they got to get fixed. And on top of that, you would think like, you know, when I worked for the team, I remember, I don't know if it's the same guy that owns it, but the guy that owned the, the, the dunk. Um, so, um, so yeah. So I, I just think it's like a huge liability for him. Like why not just get it fixed? Why, why didn't they fix it last year? Like, uh, they got to get that fixed. Why, right. don't they, why don't they use Amica to, to ensure Amica, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, well, maybe maybe that's another thing. Maybe Amica's like, oh, this, this could be an opportunity. Well, no, I don't know. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> no. a- anyways, before we wrap this up, BOC, I, we got to get to it. Daniel Hurley, I got to talk about it. That was part of the entertainment of last night was watching Dan Hurley, like try and be calm, cool and collective, but you know, deep down inside, he's like MFing everyone. Yeah. Uh, like going nuts, having like this, this, this inner mental breakdown. Um, that was amazing. Like he, he freaked out a few times, but you could tell he was trying to be on his best behavior and that just made it all the more epic. Yeah. I, he, he, he tried, I think he has heard from administration at UConn. And I think it, act, like, UConn fans say, like, oh, the refs are giving us a poor whistle because of Hurley. And I think to a certain extent, they might be right. Like, yeah. they have a quicker whistle with Hurley than they do other coaches because he's so volatile. So that's true. But, like, you could see he was doing everything possible to not make the game about him. But, it, like, you have to be yourself also. Like, if you're not yourself, then whatever. So, like, it might have helped them if they got a T, but um, he continues to be owned by by Cooley ten and two and ten. Um, yep. I saw another stat: he's zero and five against McDermott, one and four against Jay Wright. Zero and five at the amp. Yeah, like that's what we talk about. Like his recruit, he could be the best recruiter in the Big East, and I think he's going to have to be to compensate for his in-game shortcomings. Listen, I tried to warn UConn fans that Cooley owns. Daniel Hur- Hurley, and he continues to own him. Her- Ed Cooley is Dan Hurley's daddy. I, I-, I know everyone thinks it's Bob Sr., uh, the-, the famous high school coach. But no, it is, in fact, Ed Cooley, who is his daddy. And I made sure UConn fans knew that when I sent out, when I fired out that tweet. I made that photo in the morning because, I don't know, I felt kind of like I was like a little nervous, but also like kind of felt good, but I wasn't like that confident. But I was like, I got to get these ready in the chamber just in case. And, and I, so I had that one 
that, that uh, got plenty, plenty of attention, which I was happy about. Um, but I also had another one if he got teed up slash thrown out and it's him being wheeled out in a uh, straight jacket. So I'll save that um, either save the him. February game or if he does that in another Big East game. Uh, I'll be sure to find so out. So you'll be using that then. So that's fine. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, hey, but before we wrap, maybe to put a bow on it, on the win, awesome win, and I think it it validates that. I think there were some murmurs that like the, early, the hot start to the Big East was – Hey, we played a lot of the lower tier Big East teams. I, I think Marquette's a top four team, which is a surprise to me. But like beyond that, we played some of the easier teams in the Big East and people kind of thought it was a fluke or a flash in the pan. This win shows it's not. Um, Homer, Homer away, beating a top five team in the country is hard to do. We're at 5-0 in the Big East. We're atop the Big East. And like, um, you know, we said in the article, we don't want to say the R word yet. We get a win against... St. John's, and maybe we start throwing that around. For sure, dude. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think, you know, this game what? just showed that, like, UConn got all the praise going into this thing about all their talent. Well, guess what? We have plenty of talent of our own. Uh, Hopkins, Carter are absolute studs. You got, you know, Big Eddie Crosswell working down low, uh, getting his nose in the things. Um you got a guy like Locke who can be lethal from three. You know, you got a guy like Bree that provides you steady defense. This fire team is good, and they're here to stay. And, um, you know, the St. John's one, we'll have a preview article for it um, coming up. And, you know, I don't think we'll get to it today because this is – we just got to bask in this one uh, for a little longer. Um, but the St. John's game does kind of concern me just because St. John's is – Reeling right now, four straight losses. Um, it's not we'll not a good to, not a good time to potentially not have Bynum either. Exactly, exactly. You know, we'll have to monitor to see what, what Bynum's status is. We'll also have to mo- monitor Andre Corbello's status because he got suspended. Yeah. And then I don't know if you saw this BOC, but he snuck into the post game uh, media session and took a photo of Mike Anderson with crying face emojis and said no caption needed and that made its way around the internet um so i can't believe he's doing that he had a chance to like make illinois fans and the and the team and the coaching staff look so dumb basically running him off and now they're just laughing saying we made the right decision and he's like he only gets so many chances in life and like he's back home this is like a chance for him to like have like a you know a heroic heroic return and he's just making himself look like an idiot like he, is he going to be on the team even next year uh, yeah uh, who knows it at this rate doesn't look like it because yeah. whatever happened there he's clearly not thrilled that he didn't get the play um and then t- to sneak into the the, the post game media session and then post that to twitter oh or instagram oh man but, how many how many um how many big east games do we have lost so we've played five, so that would mean we have 15 left. 15. Okay. Yep. So I think the magic number to get to where we want to be is 14 total wins. Probably. I mean, this biggie's is good, man. Like, UConn will be fine. I, I do, I guess, quickly to wrap up on them, I would say what concerns me with them is, you know, we, we question their offense. Now it's real. I yeah. think they have an offensive identity crisis. They didn't shoot. As many threes last night, they they took 19. Um, but 
you know, and now it's like they can't score around the rim and like they have to get that fixed, but I think they'll be fine. And then, you know, Xavier is going to be tough. Now go, go in the Fisher form um, to play Marquette will be tough. Like, I, I do think that the bottom of the league isn't as good as, as maybe some other years, but the top of the league is very strong. So long way to go here, but the yeah. Flyers have positioned themselves in an excellent spot. Um, so yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe do the R word. Maybe we're screaming the R word uh, after Saturday. So that that's going to do it for another episode of the Problems Crier podcast. Continue to follow along uh, the problemscrier.com. Follow us on Twitter. Again, I'm Mike Surrett, uh at Providence Crier. He's BOC, at BOC all day. Until next time, Firetown. See you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, eh. Crossover, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic. This year we taking over March Madness. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. Crossover, I might throw the alley-oop. But they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. Man up in my city.